Hey folks, this is Dylan and I want to welcome you to the Eat Wild Podcast. This podcast is about learning to hunt, it's about conservation and mentorship and adventures and over the course of uh, the next little while here I hope to bring forward a bunch of interesting guests and tell some stories and hopefully take you on a few adventures, so check it out. Horsefield, uh, my uh, my oldest hunting partner and mentor. Hey Jeff, Ringo. Hey, and uh, in the back seat of the truck here, we've got uh, my old fishing partner Dave Bornhold turned fishing partner. Hunting partner. Oh, hunting partner. Say hello, Dave. Hello, Dylan. Right on. And behind me is my old uh, hunting partner from Prince George, uh, Fuller. How you doing? Oh, pretty good. That's Matt Fuller in the back. So we're rolling back uh, down the Alaska Highway. Uh, so forgive us for the background noise. Hopefully this is uh, still uh, you're able to listen to it. Uh, but we've got a bit of a podcast prepared for you. We're just on our way back from a uh, about a, I don't know week long uh, river drift trip where we were hunting for elk, and uh, we thought we'd share our thoughts on river drift planning and uh, get a chance to hang out with some of my uh, favorite people in the world and hunting partners, and we'll go from there. So. Um, Let's uh, kick this off. So, I guess we'll just go ahead and see what we did because it wasn't like we. I went on to my second adventure of the season and, and, and kind of had a second kind of bust of a trip, I'd say. Uh, aside from a pretty great adventure, uh, we did not. We saw a total of two elk on our on our trip, uh, and uh, we were coming home without an elk, uh, probably for the first time in. I don't know. I think we've done that once in 15 years, come back from the north without an elk. So, uh, and I think that was probably the most exciting hunting we had that year. That was the year we called in 60 different bulls, and they were all five points or something. Yeah. That was a good year. Um, okay, so we're talking about um, uh, planning for uh, drifting, doing a drift trip up north, and the pros and cons and such. And uh, so maybe we'll just talk about um, what were some of the trip highlights so Dave what was the trip highlight for this trip for you well I think I think what we should talk about a little bit is the fact that we talked about this trip for five years right we've been talking about doing something like this for five years and getting through the logistics of it all so I think some of the highlights at the end of the time were just the that that trip coming to fruition all the planning, all the organizing, getting the rafts, doing everything. That was part of the fun part. Um, but once on the river, I mean, the river rafting was the fun part. The, uh, you know, the terrain was okay. But, yeah, I think just the actual rafting was probably the best. Yeah, right on. Yeah, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the learning part of, of the rafting component. Like, we went from, at the beginning of the trip, we were kind of looking at those riffle well, rapids and we're like oh geez should we portage around this and maybe we should line this or how do we you know attack this rapid and by the end of the trip we're just <laughs> yeah we weren't paying we weren't even looking stuff over we're just blasting through it well, so you got to go on the on the record and say that fuller the whole time was like let's just do it down the just middle shoot it right <laughs> through the middle yeah well i think but admittedly he had the most experience of any of us yeah. at, at doing it too 
Yeah, so that, but I, I enjoyed that part. How about you, Fuller? What was the highlight from this trip for you? Well, just what you guys are talking about, just blasting straight through it. It's just, it's a whole <laughs> lot of fun. Um, there was some real technical water up top. Uh, wasn't too scary or dangerous, but it was a, a lot of fun. You really had to uh, turn when you had to turn and move when you had to move to get around the rocks. And uh, lots of times we did it. And then we just found out, oh, hey, we just bounced up to this rock and now we're high and dry. Okay, how do we get off this? You know, yeah, leaping into the water and yeah, waist, so, yeah, waist deep and pushing yeah. on. That was yeah, that was probably the highlight. And uh, the yeah. fact that it was thirty-five degrees the whole time really helped with that leaping oh, yeah, on and off. Pretty the much, yeah. It's refreshing, refreshing. Yeah. And even the mountain river was, you know, pretty warm. Yeah. Or not freezing cold anyway. No, you could wade for you know. I, there was a point there. I think we were sort of. I, well, I was in the water a lot for a good deal of it good part of the stretch of the river there and it, I mean that was maybe for no an hour it was no big deal yeah. yeah I mean well heck I had a bath yesterday in the creek and it was no big deal at all um, just about yeah um, I mean the fly the fly in was fun too right going out in the bush plane getting the boat as far as I've ever been from a highway in the bush was pretty fun yeah I guess you've never that was that your first flight that was the first fly in yeah yeah so Fuller, you've done that a bunch for work and stuff, eh? Yeah, for work and one one flying trip for hunting, but uh, yeah, I did a lot of forestry work in BC. So yeah, it's pretty awesome when you get to go to remote areas and actually you don't see other people, no roads. Yeah, it's quite enjoyable. Yeah, it's kind of exciting. I like the feeling of when when you get dropped off, you're you're dropped off. Yeah, and that's uh, and and then you're then you're on your own until either the pilot comes back or in this case we. So we drifted from, uh, we flew into what is called, I guess, the Prophet River, uh, and it's about, uh, I guess it was 60 kilometers of river that we, we we drifted down and eventually came back to the highway. And the way that this particular drift worked out is that we were able to fly in from the, uh, there's a there's an airstrip along the next to the river, basically, that we uh, we parked at. The, air, the, the pilot, Villers Air, came and picked us up from... The, uh, from the airstrip that flew us in, uh, we had to do two two loads, two thousand pound loads essentially with guys in gear, and uh, they dropped us off uh, at a place uh, just north of the Bessa River. Uh, what is it? Double E, Double A Packers, Double A Packers Camp, and uh, so there's a public airstrip there, uh, but it's really maintained by Double A Packers, which is an outfit that that provides access to wilderness for resident hunters they provide uh they have horses there so you can fly into their camp and stay at their cabins and then take their horses and hunt elk and moose in the area and sheep um anyways those guys when we flew in they actually came down they knew we were coming in and uh we ended up hitting it off with them and having a good chat and they they helped us get our gear down to the water which was a huge help because uh it was still about a 500 meter walk from the strip down the river Anyways, and then we drifted from, we put our rafts together, loaded up our gear, and then just drifted a few kilometers down the river and camped, and, and then we drifted a few more kilometers and camped again, and kind of carried on down the river as the, sort of in search of a, uh, some, some sign of elk living around there, which would, wasn't happening, but uh, we'll probably talk about that throughout the podcast. Uh, what are some other trip highlights? I, I, I enjoyed the grayling fishery. That was a lot of fun. It's a strong fishery. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, every day uh, we 
uh, Dave bought a little his, his son Owen's uh, fishing rod with four spinners and uh, every day we would catch our limited well we got to catch a couple grayling for uh, for lunch and throw them in a soup and or cook them on a fire that was that was a highlight for me that grayling fishing they're beautiful fish oh yeah we're, we're wondering why there isn't a you know a, a, a flying sports fishery for them yeah <laughs> beautiful sail on their back they're like a little like a trout but they've got this like huge sail sort of fin on, on, on their back that so we were calling them what we were calling them Arctic sailfish. Arctic, Arctic sailfish. sailfish. Yeah, we figure we should rebrand the fishery because it's grayling doesn't sound very uh, appealing. No. So the Arctic sailfish. They hit a fly too on the surface. It's. Uh, but anyways, that was tons of fun. And then, uh, well, I think the the other highlight for me was the uh, was one that we had a, one in, we we saw more. So we were on the river. So all the way along, you're kind of looking at the riverbank. And there's there's lots of mud and sand, and you can kind of see what's been through the area. And we mostly saw wolf tracks along the riverbed, bear tracks, and the odd elk track, um, which was an indication, I think, that there was very few elk living in the valley. And uh, and I don't know if they were just avoiding wolves or if they just weren't there. But, but the I, most the most consistent tracks through the whole thing were wolf. Yeah, undoubtedly. From the very top to the very bottom. Yeah. And we were, but we were, you know, my understanding of wolves, wolves is they basically just patrol the up and down the river valleys, much like we were doing, looking for sign of elk living in the area. So that's their main corridor. Um, anyway, so we were, what we were doing was sitting around camp there. And uh, who, who spotted the I, I heard it. Where I heard something coming down the rocks. It sounded odd, and uh, you know we're in predator country, so I was a little concerned. So Fuller jumped up to look, and there was a cow elk coming at about you know doing about a hundred kilometers an hour down the river to the cobblestone riverbank, um, and jumped into the river like right, but literally right, right through yeah, our camp between yeah. our tents, and then push into the water. And uh, crossing the river, so we were all sort of scrambling, thinking, "Oh God, there's an elk around!" And if there was a bull with it, we were sort of scrambling, looking for our guns and stuff. But it was—it wasn't. There wasn't a bull elk chasing her. <laughs> no, no, not a bull elk. It was—I uh, think it was seven or six wolves in a pack coming through, which is a bit of a shocker. Yeah, that was beautiful, though. <laughs> Basically, these wolves came through our camp, and uh, well, they chased us. They chased us cows. <laughs> through the camp and, and, and then all of a sudden they saw us and it, it kind of distracted them and they're all kind of stopped and stared at us trying to figure out what the hell we are yeah meanwhile the elk she gets away yeah I think she, she got away and these uh, these wolves are all sort of st standing there staring at us kind of getting their bearings and then eventually just uh, turned and buggered off but yeah it kind of reminded me of seeing like dancing with wolves you know and the wolves are sort of yeah Flowing around, circling you, yeah, yeah stuff <laughs> like that. It was pretty exciting for a bit, but well, no. they were on all they were on all sides of us too. Yeah, well, I thought it was just one at first, and then all you of a sudden there was another one and another one, and then I thought they were gone, and then there was more passed through, and they all kind of had a look at us and buggered off. So, so I, but I mean, it, it, it certainly, it certainly uh, gave evidence that there are a lot of wolves in that area. 
Yeah, no, right? we saw more there's wolves. At least, there's at least elk. one pack of wolves that are ripping up and down that valley. Yeah, and it's not far for a wolf to get from. I mean, no. the stretch of river that we hung out on. It's yeah. Anyways, that was that was definitely some highlights for for me and. Um, I would have rather they were chasing a big bull. Yeah, that would have worked out perfect. <laughs> yeah. Because we would have got him. That would have been... <laughs> I don't know, you would have had about one second to get him. Yeah, that's true. Or two or three maybe, but not ten. No. No. But I, yeah, I don't think a whole lot of animals were... So one of the other things that was a real challenge of this trip is it was... It was we're in a heat wave in British Columbia right now that half the province is on fire. We're, we, we're quite a ways up north, so... The, there's not as many concerns around. There's no there's no active forest fires, but it's still it's incredibly warm, and we're 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 well into some uh, into September now. September what is it? Eighth, eighth. Oh, Dave's birthday. Happy birthday, yeah. Dave. Thank you. Uh, September eighth, and uh, it's thirty. It's gonna be thirty degrees today, and it was thirty degrees every day where we were, and and it was hot by like eight o'clock. It was hot, like, well, it, and it wasn't getting. I mean, things were forecasted to be 12 degrees at 1 a.m. Like, it just was not cooling off yeah. at all. So, with that, though, I just can't... I mean, the animals were just... I can only imagine what animals were there just weren't strolling around in the open in that hot weather. Like, they, they just were not... They uh, certainly weren't bugling. They weren't bugling, no. I heard a couple bugle. I heard the one guy bugle that I bugled in on the second day there, and that's all we heard. And, and uh, so activity levels are super low. And I couldn't, yeah, I mean, the chances of seeing a moose in, the, in that weather would be impossible. Yeah. Cause, yeah. A black moose out that sunny just melt down before your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we were up against that. I think we were up against the fact that what animals were, were likely migrated, you know, hadn't migrated into that area. Uh, if I think in the previous podcast, if you checked them out, we were talking about sheep hunting and we were like surrounded by elk and moose everywhere up in the sheep country. Well, where we were was kind of just, the, you know, the, maybe 30 miles down river from some of those areas we were sheep on. And I think all those elk that we were looking at sheep in were still hanging out up high because the bugs are still bad and the winds are higher, you know, stronger up there. So they get relief from the bugs. And, uh, and you got to have a couple of heavy frost to kind of um, knock the nutrient value out of the alpine uh, um, vegetation. So once everything freezes up, then then there's no longer a nutrient content uh, for the ungulates to, to eat all that good vegetation, and they move down and you know move down in elevation and, and feed on uh, whatever forage is available to them <coughs> lower down. Which there was tons where we were. I mean, there was oh, like, yeah. God, waist high, like. Grassy, waist-high fields. Yeah, but just nothing Nothing had been through it. Like, nothing had been living there. Some sign of them living, you know, the odd animal moving through, but really... So I think that was mainly what was going on for us. And short of climbing up that 30 miles up the valley, I think we were, weren't going to see any elk. So. Um, anyways, uh, so I thought what would be interesting to talk about a little bit is uh, what did we do to prepare for this trip? Because as you said, Dave, it was five years since kind of talking about it, but really we kind of got our act together and started planning this uh, about uh, April. April, yeah, we kind of all committed to the idea. Yeah. So the and we're none of us are, are rafters, so or have done rafting, but 
uh, most of us have experience with water and and some of us more than others have experience with rivers certainly Jeff you've been a jet boater Which gives you some knowledge of, you know, reading the river a bit. Well, Matt, he's been up and down some couple of pretty big rivers too, so. Yeah. You get a, an, an idea. But it's not like we had a bunch of rafts lying around in the in the shop ready to go. There was a lot of preparation that was needed for that. So, Matt, where's, what's your experience? My experience was working as a park ranger in northern BC, and uh, we'd fly into Spatsizi. Uh, provincial park and then spend eight ten days rafting down it on patrol it's a great job really enjoyed it <laughs> so you got paid to sit and just raft down a river well you know we also had to work but yeah i got paid to raft down a river <laughs> jesus park rangers eh yeah, got it pretty good yeah pretty nice and then i grew up in the north prince george so we do a fair amount of canoeing and rivers and such so i had a little bit of experience but yeah you definitely had the most confidence amongst us when we were looking over water you're like yeah it's no big deal Either that or he's just foolish. I wasn't quite sure for a while. <laughs> yeah, but I think the consensus at the end is that yeah, Matt had the yeah. most. Yeah, yeah, we were we were very cautious. Yeah, which is a good way to be. Yeah. Um, okay, so we had a little bit of re- uh, experience between us, but uh, but that aside, uh, probably the thing to do would be to take a course. Uh, yeah. Now we didn't we did, we we didn't take a course, but what we did do is we hired a. Um, Actually, a friend of mine from work, who's who is a, a whitewater guide, and she she came out on the river for us for a for a day and um, kind of went through the the basics of kind of helped us understand the language of rafting, and then showed us some basic techniques and concepts for how to go about doing this stuff. And that's that was Christy Christy Long, and that was I that was I found that to be super helpful. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, she pointed out right away this the few basic key ingredients to not dying on <laughs> the kind of water we were going to and that was pretty valuable to say the least yeah we so. uh, her name came up a lot in this trip like christy said do it this way yeah, yeah. christy said go down the middle yeah so it actually it's good to have somebody like that who you have confidence actually did know what they were talking about so that when you can a question came up you could just do what they had told you to do yeah. You didn't have to really, you know, argue about it or anything. Christy said this. Okay, well, Christy knows what the hell she's doing, so let's just do it. Yeah, but she gave us a formula to follow, which I really liked. A bit of a, ro- a roadmap to follow or whatever you call it. So that, that was super helpful, and I think any course would give you that same confidence. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we just, just for logistics of pulling us together between you guys on the island and me here, and uh, it just worked out better for us to go with a guy to do a one-off. Um, yeah. Uh, the other thing we did is we read that book. Um, Jeff, did you, you read you read that book by that uh, that woman that we can't remember her name, but we'd like to attribute this to. Yeah, me. we just came into cell service, so I'm gonna just. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, th- this woman that Dylan's looking up, she uh, has written a couple of books about canoeing in wilderness rivers in BC. Very experienced, and uh, whether or not you're interested in the particular river she was dealing with. Uh, there's a lot of really good information in her books and a lot of it about things like water levels and how to find out about them, what affects them. That's, that was the part that I kind of found the most interesting in the whole, you know, the 
she's got a lot of trip descriptions mile by mile on the river, but the general stuff was more interesting. The about water flows and yeah, they, I thought it was yeah. Anyways, it's, it's Laurel Archer is the is the author, and she's got two books on on canoeing BC rivers, and uh, they're they're just great. They're they're full of interesting ideas, and uh, I think you know we'll, we'll sort of save this to the end as to our consensus on whether or not we ever do another rafting trip. <laughs> but uh, if uh, if you know. I'm certainly relying on a resource like that just gives us so much information because I think that's the other thing like what we found ourselves doing is trying to do some research on this stuff is um, specifically on the Prophet River like there's a there's a few forums of people who who've done it with varying degrees of reliable reliability of information yeah. I, I interviewed a couple guys about it that had done it um, or interviewed gave them a call and talked to them uh, but one of the things that's kind of interesting is that like we did it at super low water. Like it hasn't rained for months here, or well, it hasn't rained for a month here, anyways. Um, so the water levels are super low. So if somebody did the same trip in another year where there was lots of water on the river, it could be totally different. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. The hazards would definitely be different because if the water was higher, the wood hazards would be a lot worse. But the bars and the rocks and stuff would almost all be covered, or you'd probably just about go anywhere. So, so what are what are wood hazards, Jeff? You just, that's you mentioned. It. Well, the, these northern rivers tend to flush an awful lot of trees and stuff down the river, so they're trapped in the curves and stuff. But there's also huge bars that are covered with wood. So if the water was up in that wood a bit more, like you could have some real problems some places. Now you'd have more water to work with to maybe go around them. Well, that's true. Yeah, but you'd have more log jams, more sweepers, more oh, things yeah. you can go under. Yeah. And you wouldn't be, it was kind of, in some ways it was sort of obvious where the river was going because there wasn't much river. <laughs> yeah. With more water, you you might get, the water braids out more, or the river braids out where there's more, there's more channels to go down. <coughs> you got to make sure you pick the right channel to go down to have the most river to work with on the way out. So we mostly dealt with, with rocks being exposed, like rocks, and then not having enough water to go around. Shallow the bars. Yeah, shallow, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Basically running aground on a shallow bar. Which happened to us a few times, but that—that's not the end of the world. Running to, into a gravel bar. I guess the worst part is, is that if you—if it was so shallow and you can't drag your raft over, you got to unpack your raft and drag the raft to deeper water and then repack it and go down again. The—the the scary one for us was sort of getting pinned on a rock, which you—you you get wedged up on a rock and you can't move the raft, and it's too deep to jump out and push the raft off. Um, I don't know what we would have done if we couldn't have got off those. Well, we just throw. We would just line them and yanked off. I know? guess. Well, now you, sounds, sounds easy. Yeah, but you <laughs> you got to get out of the raft and kind of move it. We will have to ask Christy what to there, do. There, there was that. never in. Uh, never there was no that. real rocks there that were difficult to, to avoid and big enough to like do a wrap on. Uh, you know, we you could pivot off them somehow. Yeah. Which we did. We kind in of much, in much bigger off. water with much bigger rocks, like you can get washed right up against them where they're just strapped right to it. And then they tip sideways and they're sort of standing on edge wrapped around the rock. Well, that's, you pretty well need some kind of help to get out of that one. But there was no situation like that where we were. Yeah, there wasn't enough water in the river to really create enough energy to pin you on a rock like that, I don't, I don't think. No. 
Um, but anyway, so the, I guess let's go back to the research part is that we didn't have actual information about the river that we were doing. Uh, whereas some of the larger, more traditional trips that you could you could get information, say, out of the Archer book, or uh, or they're just you know much more f frequently rafted rivers, um, and then there'd be more blogging on it. So in our case, we were limited, but uh, we kind of knew generally that the river wasn't. We weren't. We, we figured we weren't going to die, um, but we, we figured we'd probably have to navigate what we expected. Low water, you know, the odd rapid here and there. Um, we had also looked at. We also did. A, spent a lot of time over doing overviews on, on Bing maps, I guess, like air photos basically of the river. Google Earth didn't have particularly good imaging of this site, so Bing maps was kind of our go-to for just kind of looking over what the river looked like and looking for. Uh, Basically, canyons, I guess, and waterfalls would be the two things that you'd have to either plan to portage around or, uh, or at least scout ahead. Yeah, scout ahead. Yeah. Um, what else did we get organized? Well, the actual rafts. Yeah. Because we didn't have any rafts. So uh, Dylan went out and bought a pretty inexpensive sort of raft that we then, you know, tuned up into something that seems to be adequate, all right? Whereas the other guys went and actually happened to spot a, an ad locally and uh, bought what is probably one of your premium sort of rafts that not a bad secondhand sort of deal. And both systems kind of worked out. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you guys, your guys' raft definitely performed <laughs> better in some way. I mean, it was, it's, it's designed to be rowed down, you know, rowed down rivers and moves much more effortlessly yeah but it doesn't pack as much doesn't pack as much and, yeah uh, pros and cons yeah. but it probably keeps you drier yeah because you got your bow comes up quite a bit more whereas mine is just kind of a bit well, of a and I think in, in real tough situations that that ears raft would be a much better thing it's way more maneuverable way more easy to move it yeah I went with like an, an aquamarine boat and if anybody with the Google it. It's the only outfit that sells uh, uh, inflatable boats in Vancouver. And they're just, they're, they're, I think the boat was a couple thousand bucks, maybe even a little bit less. And uh, and then Jeff is a, Jeff is an aluminum fabricator, has a shop. So Jeff built a rowing frame for it, uh, which worked out really, really well, actually quite a bit. I think our frame is quite a bit better than what you guys are working with. Yeah, it's a weight and quite a bit lighter functionality too. Yeah. So. And the raft that uh, that we found was uh, it was an air fourteen foot air super duper puma super yeah. duper puma and you know the the one good thing that we can say about air is although this raft had a few issues that we didn't know about um, prior to Matt picking it up was the you know. The, handles were blown out which were all warrantied by air no questions asked the floor was blown out uh, had leaks all over it and uh, although we didn't get it prior to our trip air has sent a new floor free of charge and I mean this is a 10 year old draft that's been owned by what been three, owned by three guys that yeah. we know of and they're still like yeah not a problem no questions asked so you can't say more about and, and talk about warranty responsiveness and everything these guys are 
definitely the real deal. So we're going for an air sponsorship for this podcast episode? <laughs> I, well, think, you might I be, think but so. I think I think you can't. I doubt if they need it. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. I think if anyone's looking at um, buying a brand new boat versus finding a decent less than 10-year-old air. I'd go for the less than 10-year-old air. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I guess if you could find one for sure. There's not. Find, I mean, they're hard to find. It's a, It was a fluke that like this I've one been, popped up. Totally, especially the timing, eh? Yeah. I mean, I've been looking for a raft for five years, too. Just sort of, you know, if I ever saw one for under <coughs> three or four grand, I probably would have gone for it. Yeah. Uh, you guys got yours for what? How much is, did you guys pay for it? 38. 38. With a full, full rowing frame and oars and full kit. I mean, we, we did have to do some stuff to it here and there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it worked out. There's no question. And so I was into my rod. Now, I happen to hunting partners with an aluminum fabricator that retired and you know <laughs> built a built a hell of a frame and so I I spent two thousand two thousand uh, dollars plus the cost of aluminum and I still gotta buy oars because I'm using the oars off our off our drift boat. Uh, so you know, be all in for sort of twenty seven hundred. Yeah something like that. And that's with having a buddy that can build you a frame which is you know yeah so so I would have, I, if, if you went and bought the same frame, it would be a thousand bucks for yeah, the frame, at least. Oh, so, yeah. so it worked out to be about the same. I got a little bit new rubber. You guys got definitely a higher performing boat. But yeah, I think you can count on spending about four thousand dollars just to try and do this. Yeah, yeah, and With, the, the cheaper boat, you can tell it's a cheaper boat, but it seemed adequate for sure, right? I, I couldn't have any issue with it. Yeah, and I, I think rubber has its, you know has a lifespan too, right? That's the you're kind of buying that lifespan. Well, yeah. This heavy duty vinyl stuff that they made over the I think the lifespan's pretty long. Yeah. Well, the other thing too, I think if you if you go through this and you don't, you know, you do a trip like this and it's not something you want to do every year, um, there seems to be a market for quality crafts if you wanted to sell off after the fact. So. It's easier to sell something secondhand that's quality than something yeah, yeah. that's junk. For that's sure. just, you know. Yeah, for sure. So from the research I did, this uh, aquamarine raft looks to me like it's identical to what is sold as a Saturn in the States. Yeah. The pricing is all about the same. They look exactly the same to me. Yeah. And, uh, they got not a bad reputation like you check online people don't like considering how cheap they are I think they're probably a real deal well because they're significantly like a, a new boat uh, your boat new was 8 grand I think yeah Yeah. and, and if you put in the rowing frame that's another 2 grand or yeah, 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 yeah. you can get her up towards 10 grand I'm you'd be sure. probably 9,500 9,800 yeah, yeah that's crazy insane yeah. insane because the best I could do uh, like kind of working the proteal angle or whatever, it would, would be about four thousand dollars for the boat. Yeah, for, for a boat, and I don't think it's as good as your boat. I think your boat was a fairly high end boat. Yeah. So, yeah, it worked. So you know, starting at yeah, maybe even more like five grand. Anyways, there's, it's kind of expensive. So yeah, if you can get one used to try it out, and and again, like I don't know if this is like certainly for elk hunting. Like I'm not going elk hunting on a raft next year for sure. No. No. I'm going to go hunting where I like to go hunting and I'm going to hunt every day and, and uh, do a lot more hunting and a lot less rafting. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I I mean, that said, I'd go on another raft trip, but I wouldn't be very worried about hunting, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe moose, but then you'd be later in the year, it wouldn't be as pleasant. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
Well, let's talk about that at the end as to what we would do next. Okay, so other stuff for getting organized. Uh, I got on our list here we were in chat about. Oh, we did our camp. Our camp was a bit of a <laughs> unexpected uh, result with the weather here, which we we had sort of we hummed and hawed about how originally we were going to go backpack light, so just the same thing we would take on a sheep hunt but throw it in a raft, and then we started you know talking about it, and then we started talking about lawn chairs and wall tents and. We went with a, yeah. a lightweight wall tent concept, and uh, and then kind of lighter gear after that. Now this, but but we had anticipated cold weather. We had anticipated or, or, not cold, but not not baking hot sun. So, and the idea we didn't know what to expect from the river. Also, so we we had thought, geez, if we get swamped with water and everything in our boat soaked. We need something to dry off. We need a wall tent with a stove and things like that. Now, obviously, when you're in 30 degree weather for a week, you don't need any of that. <laughs> so we took a wall tent with a stove on a 60 kilometer adventure, and it stayed tied to the bow and of your boat the whole time. <laughs> it was tied to the stern of the boat the whole time. Never came off. In a cart, the the stove was in a cardboard box. Then the cardboard box is still fine. That's how little water we saw the whole time. Yeah, totally. And the chances like, of a cart, and it looks uh, as good as new. Like we could, yeah. we were talking about returning. Or like, huh, the box looks pretty good. Can we just return it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that should put into context the type of weather that we saw. That yeah, it's we, phenomenal weather. It's, it's yeah. I mean, heat was our problem, not rain. Yeah, we died of heat. We had to put up tarps to try and get enough shade so we could nap for a couple hours in the afternoon. It was so incredibly hot. So on the particular river we were on and on the section we were on, uh, camping was pretty much on gravel bars as opposed to up on the, you know, the, the forest floor type camping under trees. So it was much more conducive to the pup tent type concept, right? And you're pretty much moving every day and you're camping in that, those conditions. We took pup tents for that and that's all we used and it was more than adequate, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think I think no matter what on a trip like this, you have to bring pup tents. Yeah, I think in the future you're, that's your game plan. Yeah, because because the thing I what I learned here is that like you can't like <coughs> if you're on a braided river like we were, you can't even get to the forest line. Like they, you, you may be half a kilometer away, half yeah. a kilometer <laughs> to somewhere where there's a tree to tie your wall tent to, or or to get into the shade. That you kind of just stuck out in the middle of the riverbed. So you, I mean, in a, if we did get soaked to the ass we would eventually get to somewhere we could set up a wall tent, figure it out, and we'd try, try ourselves out. Um, but I, I guess I'm going to do this same trip again here uh, with some other, but not, not the same trip, but we're going to go drift another river uh, in, a, in a week or so. And I don't know if I'll bother bringing a wall tent. I, like, if it looks at all like this for the weather, I'll, I might just bring a big tarp and yeah. maybe bring, bring a chainsaw. I don't even think I do that. I don't know. I think having a chainsaw is always a good thing. You could then make a very big fire. Exactly. If you had to. Well, I think we could have made a very big fire. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Anywhere. Anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't even know if we'll be able to have fire, so I'll have to... Anyways. But at the end of the day, I think it's safe to say that we... We took everything, and now we know what we can cross off the list if we ever do it again. Yeah. For sure, we so, overpacked. So we, we definitely overpacked. We brought a, a 
a, pack, a game packing cart to pack the rafts if we had to pack it around as stretch a river or something like that and that is uh that proved useless that was Absolutely useless useless yeah so that's just not the technology is not great on the on the game packers that uh, we we brought uh what else could we scratch off the list well i think you, you scratch you generally scratch the wood stove wall tent. Tent. um geez but having said that like if we were yeah, if we if it were if we were going up against a forecast that was rain and minus five and all of that, yeah. I mean, but like we talked about earlier, we talked about buying that titanium stove and this and that. So there's other options out there than you know the big old pot tin one that we brought, the big cardboard box. Yeah, pot belly stove and cardboard box. Yeah. So yeah, I wouldn't bring that style. Yeah, and maybe yeah, maybe this is where for those little. Uh, those TV tents or something like that that you could yeah. put a little stove in and dry some gear out or yeah. you know stay dry maybe that's our traditional wall tent it's just it was a bit of a bear to have that with us mind you once it was in the raft wait one it just stayed in there yeah once it's in the raft it's not that big a deal the other thing is if you were doing this like say if you were doing a river that you knew the two or three spots you were going to hunt for a few days and you kind of knew there was a camp that was conducive to bringing your yeah. wall tent like but for strictly exploring and early season like we're doing pop tent yeah having said that you know we've been doing this trip up to these parts for 15 years and we've had a few years where it would have been over like our trip would have been over if we didn't have yeah. uh, something to dry out yeah and, well, except you don't have the option for it to be over so it wouldn't have been over it would have just been misery yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that's true so it was a good backup plan it didn't hurt us too much I don't think that was the that surely didn't break our backs, the, the wall tent equipment. No. I mean, food was good. We, you know, we had good fires on the beach. Well away from any major combustibles. Yep. On the beach. And I, I, at least when we went into the bush, there was no fire ban in place for and this part of the world. Uh, I, I should check now, but I guess we're, we can't le- like legitimately know they put a fire ban in place if we're... No. Yeah, there's no cell range where we were. So. Now, there was a forest fire that did start while we above were us. above us, not you know, about 15 kilometers above above where we were drifting. Apparently, a forest fire kicked up, um, which we didn't notice today as we drove through. I'm surprised that we didn't see a, a plume of smoke in the no. over here on our, our on our right hand side. And the, I mean, things that things that you would definitely bring. I mean, that's an important thing as well. Oh yeah, things we would definitely bring. A slingshot. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of grouse every day. I bumped into grouse, and uh, I really enjoy eating rough grouse. And there was lots of them there, and I never got to eat one. <laughs> so I'd bring a slingshot. Now, given that we're, is it legal to kill a grouse with a slingshot? Uh, it's completely legal. I've killed them with rocks, hatchets, <laughs> sticks, paint cans. Yes, I got to edit this all out, Fuller. You know, I know. I, you, you, Pink cans. Maybe if you did it over six years ago, and the statutes and limitations come in line, I, I think you're completely legal to kill a grouse with a rock. It's not defined as a legal hunting method in the in the regulations. So you're allowed to kill one with a. I'm using a Stone Age tool that's been used for tens <laughs> of thousands like of hunting. years. Yeah, it's no different than using a bow and arrow. It's called a big rock. <laughs> There is, but there is a lit, like 
in our in bearded Columbia, there's a list of things you're allowed to kill animals with. Yes. And <laughs> legally, mean, you're allowed to use a center fire rifle mm-hmm. or a rim fire rifle mm-hmm. or a bow. Yeah. To shoot grouse. And that's our that's our legal hunting method described in our in our. Uh, the bumper of your front truck is not described as a legal hunting method. No. Uh, now, so if you happen to hit one of them, you got to throw it in the bush and leave it there. Right? You got in that. Bush, can't eat it. They can't eat. That's because otherwise you would incentivize people running down grouse and deer and other things. So be a massacre. Be a massacre. Anyways, that's that's <laughs> the legality of it. And now I know that there was a big hubbubaloo when that guy uh, threw the spear at the bear in Alberta. Yeah, he hunted with a spear. Yeah, yeah, and he took he took he took. Uh, uh, he, uh, what it was called GoPro footage on, he had a GoPro yeah. on the spear and, and uh, had it all kind of captured this whole event of him throwing a spear into this poor bear and then him jumping up and down and while the bear ran off with his guts hanging out it was uh, and it went of course the, he posted the video and it went it went viral and uh, so the first question that came back to the province is is it legal to use a spear to hunt bears in British Columbia and uh, everybody was like of course it's not because it's not described as a legal hunting method but when you start to dig into the... It is legal to kill them with a sharp stick, though. Well, yeah. Call so it an arrow. Yeah, well, and, and when you start to look into the, the regulations, there isn't a specific... It doesn't specifically... We specifically uh, have outlined that you cannot kill um, a bear with certain things like a vehicle. You can't use a vehicle or any part of a vehicle to kill an animal. And uh, we've specifically described the bullet weight to, to kill certain animals... Uh, but we haven't specifically uh, banned the use of a spear or a rock, say, to kill an animal. So, so uh, I think things things that I'm glad we had for sure was a fishing rod, small collapsible fishing <laughs> rod. I mean, that gave some variety to our lunches for sure. And that was just fun. Like, that was, was just straight up fun. Grilling time was fun. Yeah. So, anyways, I think I think the as far as the equipment and everything goes, we're all fairly well outfitted with the right kind of stuff to, to hunt. It was just a matter of adding certain items to make the rafting experience. Yeah, conducive with the hunting experience, which I think in this case the rafting won. The rafting definitely <laughs> won out over the hunting. Uh, oh, so the one thing we had variability though on our gear is is footwear, and yeah. and, and it was so I wore like uh, sandals, like this Tiva sort not close-toed sort of Tiva style sandals, and my shorts, which was great when it's 35 degrees. You leap in and out of the boat, no big deal. Um, but Dave, you had uh, I was just wearing like wetsuit booties, and that was fine with shorts. That was fine in and out of the boat. But you know, I I think again if it was colder. You'd want something on your legs that was a bit warmer, for sure. Yeah, and then you guys just wore gumboots, which... Yeah. Yeah. Just basically, like, buckets around your feet. Well, mine weren't. Mine were not bad. So I had a pair of, uh, like, your neoprene-style gumboots, you know, modern sort of gumboots, uh, that were really comfy. You just let them get wet inside. It was like having a wet suit booty. Yeah. Uh, with a little sturdier construction, the problem was that the soles were super slippery. Other than that, they were really satisfactory. Yeah. So, so you'd want so we where we when we go steelhead fishing, we have uh, felt booties 
your boots that have a felt uh, sole on them, yeah. which is one of the few things that grips the wet rock. Uh, so I would like to have something like a, a bit of a yeah wading uh, boot, a bit of a wading boot maybe, and uh, with a with a yeah like maybe one of your uh, with a pair of your booties, thin booty, thin booty inside of it. Yeah, I think that would probably be. But then what do you do for? I mean, that was the part I didn't. You know, Chris, Christy says just wear like you know wool long underwear and your and your Gore-Tex over top, and if you get wet, you get wet. You just have to dry out. That's and at least your the uh, uh, long under wool long underwear will keep you warm. The the big thing I think is it, that I found was wearing clothes that you weren't going to be apprehensive about jumping in the water. You couldn't in certain instances you couldn't think twice about jumping in the water. You couldn't say, "Oh, geez, I don't want to jump in the water because my shoes are, you know, I'm going to slip on the rocks or something like that." You just had to go. Yeah, one Fuller took one for the team there when we were rafting back from the hunt across the river. We're all wearing hiking boots and. We uh, we didn't get we were kind of drifting down into the rapid and had to bail out. Of, well, somebody had to bail out of the boat, and I guess Fuller was at the end of the boat that had to get <laughs> close to the bail. beach. And got wet boots for the second time. So, so, so yeah, something to figure out. I, yeah, I, I, if I did this, I mean, it's fine for this time of year. But if I was to do this in like late September for a moose hunt or October, I, I'd really have to have something figured out for how to stay warm. Yeah. And cozy, and then you'd have to have something figured out for how the hell you're going to camp because it won't be lovely pup tent camping weather. So, which I guess I have to figure out for this next trip I'm doing with the boys. So, well, I, I think you're, I think you're one or the other. Like I don't think that if if we brought just a wall tent and stayed in just a wall tent, we would have found a way to make the wall tent work. Yep. Um, I think bringing both is a little bit redundant. Right. Yeah, but just being able to whip the camp out like we were oh, doing yeah. on the sandbar too. I, you, you have, anyways. Yeah, you're right though. It's 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 a bit more equipment that we intended to take. Mm-hmm. Because the big thing is the is the packing. If you parked your truck next to the river and had 20 yards to load your truck load and unload the boat on each end, bring whatever you want as long as it can fit in the boat. In the boat. But we did have a fairly substantial pack out at the end of the trip. And the pack in. And, and, and the pack in, yeah, true. Where you're carrying this stuff. On the way in, you're carrying it thinking, geez, I hope we get to use this. On yeah. the way out, you're packing it out thinking, God, why the hell did we bring this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, we kind of talked about research and stuff, and, oh, sorry, the trip planning and stuff, but let's just kind of go over before we kind of move to what we would do next time let's just talk about the pros and cons of of rafting after our first trip so what are what are some of the maybe the cons that we that we kind of reflected on after this trip you, you can't go back up river <laughs> yeah to a certain degree yeah once you once you go down the river and if you go into areas where you can't access or in terms of packing animals out later you got to sort of kiss that section goodbye yeah yeah so that, and an example of that was we, we on a, at our first camp location we hunted it for a couple days and fuller fuller you actually spotted a bull elk yeah and in the, on that stretch there yeah it was uh, a four-point bull which would have been legal 
over that area. So we we ended up. I don't even know if we really. I mean, it was pretty early in the trip. It was pretty hot, so we had, we hadn't even commit. We were gonna. We we're definitely not shooting anything because uh, it's too hot. And then uh, we went down river a couple kilometers and set up another camp. And actually, we had a couple of cold nights in a row, so we were sort of thinking, okay, let's let's we can kill something now because we figured we could get it cold enough overnight. Um. Anyway, so I went up up the up the mountain and my, my plan was is to call that elk up well actually you and I went up there Fuller yes. and, and we were going to call the elk from uh, up and over the ridge uh, and back kind of into where we could pack the animal back down to our new camp and uh, anyways we set up together Fuller you, you you buggered off pretty early on there he started but I called a couple times and then he he, he bugled back just after you left and and he walked right down, right out onto the river bar below me, about 200 yards away. And uh, but he was on the river bar down uh, up river from us. And in order to there's a, there was a impassable headland that we couldn't pack him around. So the plan was to call him up and over the ridge I was calling from to pack him down towards where our camp was. But when he was standing on the river bank there, I could have shot him several times. And uh, but of course, I, I, I then, but I, of course, we wouldn't be able to get him out, so I had to call him up. Anyways, tried calling him up. He actually did commit to coming up quite a ways up the bank, or up the ridge, sorry, and was just kind of getting to the where we could easily pack him over and uh, kind of ran out of light and didn't really get a, a really good look at him uh, with, with good light there. Um, but as it, turns around, as it turns out, it was probably a good thing that we didn't kill him because just with the way the weather turned after that, I just did not... There was no more cold nights, and uh, it would have been rotten. <laughs> we would have melted by the time we got back. Because well, I, I think we could have done it somehow, but it would have been a, it would have been challenging. Yeah, we would have just had to pack everything up and just and go. go, go, go. But I think, irrespective of the weather, you know that notion that when you leave an area, it's yeah. not a jet boat. Right. You're not you're not gonna rip back up the river. I mean, a it's raft a a raft goes either. one direction unless you can line it up a ways. But really, it's yeah. You hunt the area. Yeah, you're you make yeah. the decision. Okay, we're going past this point. We're never gonna go back. Then. Yeah, it's a new just, new trip starts every few days. Yeah. yeah, and that's which was kind of fun too. Yeah. Oh yeah. But I mean that. But that is really a um, a reality and somewhat of a con to rafting. Yeah. So. We all and a few times too, we were kind of looking for campsites, and we're like, "Oh, that that place looks good." And then as soon as you're by it, it's, <laughs> it's gone. That's it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You can see it, but you can't go back. Yeah, for sure. So that that was definitely really limited. So the other, I mean, for me, the big the big con uh, is that we kind of knew by day two that we probably weren't going to see an elk on that trip. Very many elk. Like, it just was so mm-hmm. obvious that. This weather and where we were, there just wasn't going to be elk. So, if we were, you know, if you were deer hunting somewhere or if you were elk hunting in the Kootenays or somewhere, you would just say, "Hey, this isn't working. Let's go." Yeah, drive. Let's go do something else. So that that's a con of a, a lot of these things. Flying hunts anywhere, uh, to a degree, jet boat hunts and stuff. You know, by the time you get to your destination, you you can move around it a bit more. Or, you know, hiking hunts, you know, any of these ones sort of other than truck hunts, basically. 
But if you want to go to the wilderness, you're, you're going to get stuck there more or less. Even horse hunts, like, you know, if you want to really change valleys or something like that, it's just too much. Yeah, it's a big commitment. Yeah, so that was definitely, you know, we're still, I mean, it's still better than, say, flying, like, if we could have flown into any one of those strips and elk hunted there for yeah, yeah. for 10 days, but we would have gone bonkers because, yeah. like, we just, oh, you yeah. run out of things to do, right? And at, at the very least, we got to drift down and hunt a new piece of country yeah. several times, which... And go rafting, which people paid to do, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that means, I mean, I like, yeah, so I like that part, for sure. But that's definitely one of the one of the one of the cons. The other part was, uh, I guess, just learning. Yeah, there's the navigation component. Like, it, there are some dangers to to doing all this, right? Like, if you, yeah, if you have a screw up, it can be catastrophic. Uh, if you get wet and you can't get dry, you can you're exposed to hypothermia. And if you run into a uh, log jam, and and that can cause all kinds of problems that you get. Stuck underneath a log jam, you're dead. Yeah, and that's your raft, lose all your gear. Yeah, yeah. And a number of times you hear stories. I mean, even my buddies last year, uh, they went down a river, and they they were in canoes, and they flipped their canoe within the first little riffle, a little rapid, and they lost their gun and a bunch of gear and some nice bottles of uh, booze and a (laughs) bunch of stuff. Yeah, I mean, you're you're out in the middle of nowhere. Um, You're responsible for it. Yeah. So we, we, with two rafts and four guys that are pretty experienced, I mean, we weren't dependent 100% on, like, quite self-rescue or anything. Like, you know, we, were, we had some resources. And even mm-hmm. if we lost half the stuff, it wouldn't be a life and death deal. No. No, for sure. So, yeah, we were, so it's, still, it's still a bit dangerous. I mean, that always comes in, any of these trips, though. I mean, even just driving the Alaska Highway. Yeah. It's freaking dangerous, right? And every time you take these on, I'm always thankful that I, you know, we're always extra careful. We drive slow on these trips, and we, yeah, take every precaution you can. Try and stay awake. Don't drive all night. And Don't stuff drive like that. all night. Yeah. <laughs> um, so some of the pros of, of doing this, for sure. Well, um, I thought for sure, like just just be. I just love getting into wilderness, and and the pro for me is that we did hunt for, despite the lack of elk, we did hunt for ten days without. Well, Dave did run into a hundred oh, near the end of our trip, but <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Yeah, it was bit, that was pretty weird, but uh, but you know, compared to where we hunt elk, usually, like in the last few years, I mean, it's been it's a bit more competitive. There's often more guys that you're if you're hunting anywhere there's elk or Columbia, there's going to be a few guys hunting them, mm-hmm. and and that becomes part of the hunt that you have to get your head around. And I I struggle with that because I don't like the competition part. I love I just love you know having wilderness around me and and. Uh, not worrying too much, not being affected by what somebody else is doing. But at the, but at the same time, I think that's a <clears throat> like where we were. We knew we weren't going to run into anybody, and we were probably a little bit more casual in getting up and getting going in the morning than if we were say oh, at another yeah. location where you got to be the first truck at the head of the road because yep. otherwise you're going to be the third truck and you're not going up the hill. Yeah, that's right. So you know, I kind of thrive a little bit more on the competition side of things um, mm-hmm. but then again I don't I also don't enjoy being second on a trail <laughs> so it's uh, you know the rafting you don't have that competition but you've got to still stay motivated even when you've, you've in your back of your mind you know that you're probably not going to see any animals yeah for sure yeah. but it would have been a way different trip if you know 
you're getting into them over and over. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, this we, we wouldn't be. Yeah, I mean, this could have been a real neat thing if if there were a few out there. Yeah. Then, yeah, this would have been a neat trip. And we would have been totally set up to deal with everything. Like I, I you know. Yeah. So if it I, wasn't thirty degrees out every day. I think we would have seen a lot more game along yeah. the river. I suspect so too. So so maybe that brings us to our last uh, point for to chat about on this podcast is that would you know now that we know all this what what would we do next time would, would you do this trip again that particular river probably not yeah would i go do a rafting hunt trip somewhere else in northern bc absolutely yeah i think i agree with that too i the rafting was fun and i would do another rafting trip and but you got to go there with the idea that maybe that's what you're doing as much as hunting, eh? It's like, if you got into a spot where you could really hunt and there was there was animals there enough to uh, justify really committing to, then fine. But if not, like this trip, I mean, hunting was pretty well unsuccessful. But I wouldn't write it off as a really bad trip. I've been on a lot no. worse. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And I mean, the only downer about this trip, and I and I and I think we're all we're all sort of tearing ourselves away from it right now because we were actually going to spend the last two or three days of this time that we have in our usual hunting spot where you know by doing this trip we forego the opportunity to hunt somewhere else and we 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 didn't hunt our traditional elk hunting spot for this this year which you know part of the reason why we went on this trip is to, to, to get a break from the competition of the spot but in retrospect you know I didn't get to hunt elk this year which because we didn't really get to hunt elk, mm-hmm. and, and that's a you know there's only it's my favorite hunt of the year, and I didn't get to do it. So that was a bit of a heartbreaker. It is a bit of a heartbreaker, um, and uh, we're going home instead of going to try and snatch victory from the face of defeat here, <laughs> uh, which I you know it's probably a good thing to um, get a couple days between hunts here, but. Uh, I think I, I think it's not the. I don't necessarily think it's the fault of the rafting trip or anything like that. We we could have just as easily been in territory that was and like Matt said. You know, would you do it again on a river that you maybe knew a little bit more on, or the conditions were a little different, weather was different, etc. And you have a successful hunt. Well, that would have been the that would have been the story of the, you know, the elk hunting story of the year for me. Or yeah. decade, it'd be hey yeah we flew in, we had bush planes flying us into a somewhat dodgy airstrip. Um, <laughs> it's a bit dodgy, the big, big hook at the end of it. And uh, and we got all the gear loaded up, we shot a couple animals, and we packed them out, and it was a success. I mean that would have been a very different story, and I think a few different variables would have would have allowed for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were and we were you know. And we were all close to that, that happening. I mean, that, yeah. that one elk, you know, just about presented itself. And had that been a bull elk getting chased through our camp and not a yeah. cow elk. Oh, know. that would have been wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I so, so I think this particular trip, would I would I give this particular trip a 10 out of 10? I mean, the rafting was a 10 out of 10. The hunting was about a 3. So, but I don't think that means that every raft hunting trip is a failure. Or is destined to be a failure. I think it's always going to be, like Jeff said, a better. You can always count on the excitement from the rafting. 
So Dylan and I at least are kind of hooked on the technical elk hunting, bugling and getting bugling contests going with bulls. And we've hunted in an area where there's quite a few bulls, you're only allowed to shoot big ones. So you get quite a bit of this, like, you know, you go on a 10 day hunt, if you got five real good bugling sessions, I think you'd have to call it pretty much a success if you didn't shoot anything. Yeah. Uh, so we didn't get to do that though, which I miss. But overall, just going out in the mountains there like that, well worth it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. I, I, and I, with all that said, I mean, I totally, that, that's, that's exactly my sentiment. I think, you know, logistically, maybe a, a rafting trip is quite suitable, suited for moose hunting because you're on a river, you're yeah. on a river. Yeah. Uh, you know, the whole, you're very limited as to how far you can hunt from a river regardless. So hunting moose is, is kind of, if you're calling moose towards the river, that makes a lot of sense. And, uh, and then a lot of rivers around that are, there's very few rivers that are actually in elk country, I think, and probably a lot more rivers that go through moose country. So you might have more options. Um, or at least the ones that go through elk country might be a little more technical and a little hard to get to uh, uh, somewhere you can put in. You have to fly in or, you know, and there's very few roads high enough in the mountains to go take you through elk country for a sustained period. Um, we're going to try, Fuller, you and I are going to try maybe exploring some uh, deer winter range maybe. Potentially, yeah. So so there's probably some spots that where deer winter down closer to rivers. Uh, we may be able to use the raft to access areas that would be... Absolutely. Late season, yeah. yeah. Big muleys. So and use the raft again. So I'm, uh, I really enjoy rafting personally and I'll definitely go raft hunting again. Yeah, and then we also get the benefit of, for both of us, we can take these rafts and do a bit of fishing out of them. And yeah, steelhead. Steelhead, and then we'll yeah. co-fishing right now, maybe. And yeah. Yeah, it'll be lots of fun. So all said and done, I'd say it was a success. I um, want to thank you guys for, you know, joining me on the on that trip and kind of going through the, a lot of preparation and planning and uh, commitment to taking the time to doing it. So thanks for doing that with me. And uh, thanks for, you know, putting up with this uh podcasting thing and hopefully uh, it's one for the books yeah. one for the books anyways <laughs> yeah well hopefully some value there for, for some new hunters and getting some perspective on getting organized for a, a drift trip and um, yeah thanks again guys thank you alrighty thanks signing off